good to be with y'all today. Feels a little springy in here. Uh, it's fine for me. Um, pretty warm, so uh, I was anticipating sweating. I brought this towel. Uh, I didn't use it first service, so I won't be able to sell it after service with the holy sweat. Some of y'all will get that. Uh, so we are uh, continuing our series, uh, Chasing Meaning, um, and I have uh, the privilege to be able to work through chapter 9, and so uh, as we normally do as a rhythm in our church, I ask that you would stand, uh, and I'll be reading Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Um, But all of this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether, whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil, uh, this is an evil all uh, in all that is under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of children, of the children of men, are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they lived, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Go. Eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that has been given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your sufficiency and provision for all that we have. Uh, be with us today. I ask that your spirit would do things in our heart that we could only imagine uh, through the preaching of your word. I'm grateful to be here and to be present and able to do so. Uh, thank you for that grace. Now, Lord, I pray that you would use me uh, to preach your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, a few weeks ago, I was sitting um, in the sauna uh, as I began a conversation with an older man. Mind you, it's roughly, typically 180 to 190 degrees. And so um, I sit in the sauna each Friday um, 
as you know, my children and time will allow me to do so, uh, as a part of my recovery process from uh, the loss of my mom a few months ago. So I sit there and I pray and I read and I meditate and it does uh, my body good physically and uh, I sweat a lot. And so as we both were uh, sitting in there sweating our lives away, uh, the conversation continued. And he began to share about one of the reasons why he was actually at the YMCA and why he sat in the sauna. And ironically enough, one of the reasons why he had a membership at the YMCA was because it was a part of his recovery process from a loss as well. You see, that particular day, if I'm remembering correctly, was the two-year anniversary of him losing his youngest, quote-unquote, favorite son. His son was a student and a promising band member at a historically black college here in North Carolina. He became sick to what was later known as a very aggressive form of cancer, and that took his life swiftly. As I sat there and I talked to the hurting father, the pain in his eyes was seen. The sharpness in his voice as he explained to me the situation that took place, the anger that was all over his face from God taking his 20-year-old son, the hurt, the I wishes, the why didn't I's, the if I only had of's were all present in there. And so while I was sitting there uh, and as I was grieving the loss of my mother and working through the process, I couldn't help but to feel his pain and empathize with him. At one point, uh, as we were talking, the tears just began to well up in his eyes. And he stormed out of the sauna mid-conversation, abruptly ending what we were talking about. And he didn't have to explain anything to me at all. I completely understood what he was feeling. You see, a young man in his 20s, my mother in her 50s, from the infant to the elderly, the superior one with superior health to the weak one with weak health, it will be the same. The promises, the hopes, the wishes, all ends. But if you're here today, know this. Although death does not discriminate, no matter your class, no matter your ethnicity, if you're here and you're breathing, it means you're not dead. Amen? And I know you might be saying, okay, yeah, Captain Obvious. We're all here and we're all alive. But I want, you, I want to say that because uh, here in the, the, the here and the now, I want to challenge you to li literally live your best life. You only get one chance, and here's what I mean by that. The, the live your best, the best way that you can, while you can, because God has actually already approved of it. You see, uh, life is able to be lived in the here and now with a joyful contentment with God's sovereign approval. So God has already ordained his sovereignty, in his sovereignty, he's already ordained a, a life that you can live with, with joyful contentment. And so verses 1 through 6, uh, we see uh, Koheleth uh, explain some things to us. 
And basically what he's doing is he's giving us a a 30,000-foot view. And he gives this viewpoint and this framework to think from. The righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Love and hate, man does not know which is before him, but they both are present. And so whether our lives are full of pleasure and peace or whether our lives are full of pain and turmoil, God is sovereign over all. So, so sovereignty, God's sovereignty means this. It means that his loving supreme power, his, his rule and his authority is over all things. And so when we think about God's sovereignty, right, it can be both scary and comforting. But let me just share some practicals. It it means that uh, you will get the job that you should have. God's sovereignty means that that you'll get the injury that you should have according to his plan, the raise that you should have. the, The house might sell or you might buy a house under his sovereign rule. It means that you, you won't get a sickness that God doesn't know about. That seems to be a little bit culturally relevant today, right? I'll take the note writing as an amen. It means that you will die when you are supposed to die. It means that God is never surprised by either and his sovereignty, in his sovereignty, death is also before us all. And then he goes to this portion where he says the evilness of death. He he talks about the evilness of death. And so not only is death evil in itself, but how it works itself out is evil. Let me just make death a person for just a moment. If death was standing on the stage, death would look and act something like this. It has no regard to whom it attacks. It is selfish. It is greedy. It is never satisfied. It has no empathy, nor does it have compassion. It does not care what you are doing. It does not care who you love. Death does not care about your plans. It does not consider your preferences. Death is like a flood. Better yet, death is like a tsunami. It consumes and destroys everything in its path. It never misses. The harsh stop is all the same and the truth It's all the same and not one person is exempt. We all will face death. And I know that you are probably saying, look, Pastor Aaron, we have been in Ecclesiastes for nine chapters today. Can y'all please stop telling us we're going to (laughs) die? Yes, but it's true. Lord willing, and my prayer is that we all live full and fruitful lives. But the reality of death is one that we must face. But for the Christian, we must also face uh, face the reality uh, of the goodness of God that he's laid out before us and how death actually impacts that. And, And we also need to know that through death, even though it's hard and it brings about fear and despair for us all on some level, that at its core and as evil as harsh as it might be seen, that we have somebody, his name is Jesus, and he already defeated it. As Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 8, he says this, he says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. 
verse 4, starts to begin to talk about a little bit about this hope. We're coming out of the dark, murky waters about, hey, you're going to die. And it begins to talk a little bit about the hope that we have in the here and now. It says, for those who are joined with the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living, there is hope, and this is not a theoretical statement. This is not just an idea, but for the very, this very moment, right now, while you are living, breathing, and moving, there is a future for you. Like, there is things today that we can relish and that we can lock in on and be joyful. And so, Koheleth writes, and he says this, that a living dog is better than a dead lion. Dogs from a historical uh, Hebrew perspective were seen as less than. They were seen as dirty. They were the, the lowest of the lows. And the lion, and even today, generally speaks about strength and power and royalty. As a graduate uh, from the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, we were the golden lions. And so you take gold and you take lions and I'm unstoppable. But just for a moment, I want to be pastoral here. Um, maybe you want to feel like a lion and you want to have that power and that strength and, and walk in that royalty. But circumstances of life or even some of your own actions have you feeling like the dog. Undervalued, unwanted, lacking worth. And, and I don't claim to be all-knowing and I'm not necessarily sure I know what everybody or understand what everybody is going through in this room, but here's what I will say. You are not the dog, but the scripture teaches that there's value even in the living dog. And so if you are living and you are breathing and you are moving, there is hope for you. Your, your life is valuable. You are not unworthy. You are not unwanted. You matter. And I, and I want you to take note of this. Right now, you literally have a chance. You have a swing at it. Unlike those who have already perished, there is no more swinging. There is no more breathing. There is no more wisdom. There is no more envy. There is nothing. But I want you to take note of this. It says, don't allow the anxiety of the future to commit robbery of the present. And, and don't let the depression of the past or the frustration of the right now steal the opportunity of the hope that is present. I'm going to say that again because if you're like me, sometimes my head is just a little bit thick and I, and I don't hear accordingly. But don't allow because sometimes we allow anxieties and depressions and hindrances and, and despairs to, uh, to, to, to steal the joy that is literally before us. Don't allow anxiety of the future to steal your joy. Commit robbery. Don't let the depression of the past or the frustration of the now steal the opportunity of the hope that is set before you. There may be much darkness. There may be some defeat. There may be a, a little bit of despair. You might have some depression. Death may be all around you, but I'll just say this. There is hope for your future. Verses 7 through 10, it says... Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved of what you do. One commentary said that uh, verse 7 in the book of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is the whole book in a nutshell. 
So as we transition from the hard reality of death, let me say this, that deep down in the darkness, in the pit, there is this glimmer of hope. We see that Satan, our enemy, attempts to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a part of the reason why this death thing is even existing. What I described earlier almost matches him. But God promises us and he offers us more. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus can say that statement with so much boldness is because he slapped the evil out of death. He faced it. He embraced it. He endured it. He ultimately defeated it. And here's the beauty that through that work, through his ministry, the ministry of of imputation, right, where God takes our sin and our baggage and then not just takes our sin and our baggage through Christ, he gives us then the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at us as new creation, as new believers, he doesn't see the sin and the baggage that we had in the past. He actually sees Jesus. This is the work that Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 through 21. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. I want to read it again. He made him, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me, let me be a little bit more practical. God made him who knew no pain. God made him who knew no sickness. God made him who knew no anxiety or depression, no cancer. He didn't have an intimate relationship with racism or oppression or sin or death. But for our sake, he became those things so that we, through him, might be able to not over, overcome those things, that we don't have to live in fear of them because Jesus has already been victorious over them. Our big brother defeated the bully. So we don't have to worry. This frees us up to live a life that God has already approved, to become what he has called us to become, to live how he's designed us to live. So go. Enjoy. God has already approved it. Earlier, I spoke about the the sovereignty of God and how everything is under his supreme love and his supreme rule and his authority. Also here, also in the same way, we know this to be true, that at the beginning of creation, God said this, it is good. He said what he created was good. This is the approval of our good and this, this approval of our enjoyment is not something that's just sitting here in the, in the now, but it was also before we were ever created. When God spoke the world into existence, when he began to breathe life into things, that was for us. That's why faith is so important. That's why this gift of faith that we have is essential to our continued growing in, in Jesus. And so his approval is from way, way, way back. At the creation, when he spoke it. So let me share with this, verses 7 through 10. Your food, your drink, your joy, your happiness, your peace, your relationships, your marriage, 
no matter where these things are currently, your schooling, believe it or not, your work and your career, these things to some extent are all gifts that God has given us to fully enjoy. But we must enjoy them with contentment. I like to define contentment in this way. Contentment is the, the spiritual medicine because it helps us to enjoy, it helps us to endure, and it helps us to embrace. Contentment, Paul said he was learning it in the scriptures in Philippians chapter 4. It wasn't something that he had it gripped by and was a specialist in it. He was learning contentment. And so we have to do these things with contentment, not allowing those things that we enjoy to be God and take replace, uh, replace him, but remembering where these things come from that, so we might be able to enjoy them to their fullest. I like this uh, parallel from Eugene Peterson of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 through 10. It says this, he says, Seize life, eat bread with gusto, Drink wine with a robust heart. And oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp out on the colors of scarves. Relish your life with the spouse whom you love each and every day of your precarious life. Each day is God's gift. It is all you get in exchange for the hard work that you are doing staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it. And do it heartily. Do it with all you got. It reminds me of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's not weak eating. That's not weak drinking. That's powerful eating and powerful drinking. Me and my buddies used to write this verse when we were in college on our tape. We used to tape our wrist up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord unto man. And we blew some people up, I'm telling you. And I'm pretty sure it was this verse that helped us do it. But we do it with this contentment in the here and now. And so it may not necessarily be working all out like you thought it would work out, right? Like, I'm not here to give you a pep rally and hype you up and, and all that because for some of us, life is very difficult and it may not be working to this place of enjoyment right now. And to you and even to me, I say that for those who believe in Christ, uh, he gave us another opportunity. So if it doesn't work out in the here and now, if you know Jesus, it'll work out in the end. Amen? Because we know that one day that the food that we taste will taste better than it's ever tasted before. That one day the drink that we so long for will quench our thirst better than it's ever quenched our thirst before. That our garments will not wear out and our faces will be oiled and we will look healthy. That, that, that the, we will be with the one who loves us and we will be with the one who, who, who loves us and we will be with the one who loves us. That we don't have to feel unwanted. We, we won't have to feel undervalued. We won't have to feel unappreciated, but we will be with him. And this one is eternal. It's not a temporary thing that we have to hold loosely. 
We, we don't have to hold this one loosely because the enjoyment won't be broken. It, it won't fade away. It won't waste away. It won't be a thing that somebody can come in and steal. It won't be something where somebody can fire you and you lose it. It won't be something where somebody can write a grade on a paper and fail you and you lost it. This will be eternal. It won't waste away and it won't fade. This enjoyment will be fully satisfying to us because we will be with him and he will be with us. Let's pray. Lord, you are kind to give us freshness of the day. You are kind to watch over us while we sleep and we lay. I pray that you'd give us tenacity to live and live heartily unto you that we would seize the day but we do it for your glory and not for our own selfish reasons God you are kind to us and you give us so much grace and you've given us so many things to to go do and to go be I pray that you'd open our eyes that we would have capacity to uh, serve well and live well and take risk but also wisdom and and mindfulness that uh, we submit those things to you uh, and that we are not outrageously uh, wandering on our own paths, but that we follow this path that you've given us. And I pray, God, that we would do it in such a way that not only people would be um, wanting to know how and why, but that we might be able to point them to you and find some enjoyment in the process. Bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.